Hey guys, and welcome to the Family Business Indaba podcast. We are the voice of African family business, promoting generational wealth and generational legacies. And my name is Susan Tendi. And I am Nika Amani. And we're going to be taking you through the journey of African family business. and thank you so much for joining us this afternoon for our panel session at the African Women and Family Business and as our moderator today I have Dr. Rania Azmi and she is going to be leading us in this session along with her panelists and I will hand over the session to you Dr. Rania. Thank you so much uh, thank you for having me in this wonderful conference. Uh, I would like to welcome everyone watching us, uh, and um, uh, I'm Rania Asmi, uh, has been in, in the family business and institutional investing for the last 20 plus, now with the COVID is 21 years. Um, and uh, we are about to um, have a wonderful panel with the brightest mind, I guess, in, in women in Africa and businesses. So let's let the, the ladies introduce their, themselves first. I'll start uh, with the with the sequence of the screen that I am seeing, as opposed to being in person with you. So uh, I'll start with uh, Geta. Please, can you introduce yourself? Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Katisa Dean. I'm originally from Morocco. I uh, come from a family business, both from my mother's side and my father's side. My mother is in the olive factory, um, olive making industry, and my father is in the real estate as well as wholesale. Um, I'm only 23, but I've always been very passionate about family business. I'm currently pursuing my master's at Georgetown, but as an undergrad in Boston, I did seize uh, the opportunity to major in entrepreneurship, specifically family business, where I was very active within the center of family business, did research uh, in terms of the role of women in family business. So I'm pretty um, excited about being part of this fascinating, um, groundbreaking panel, and I'm looking forward to meeting you all. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. Um, Abby, can you please introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me on this panel. Uh, my name is Afi Akoli. I'm a general manager of St. David. It's an agro uh, business company. We import and export rice and sugar um, and export also regionally. So prior to this role, I was in Washington, D.C. I worked for almost 10 years in consulting and private sector development. So thanks for having us, for having me. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Uh, Tandika, would you like to introduce yourself? Okay. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Tandega Nobanjinji Nzama. Uh, I'm the managing director of Nobanjinji Family Property. Uh, we are a commercial property group uh, which deals in commercial property acquisitions and uh, um, commercial and facilities uh, management as well. Um, I'm also the managing director of um, Bogoto Building, which is a construction company uh, which specializes in civil engineering and general building. And uh, that construction company focuses uh, mainly on female empowerment within the uh, built industry. Well, that's great. 
Thank you. And who would like to go next? Just a four of us, I guess. Just Doris. Yeah? No, Doris. Doris, yes. It's just uh, Doris, can you hear us? Can you? Yeah, thank you. Okay, good afternoon, yes. good day everyone, uh, and a happy new year. Um, I am um, the part owner of an executive director of a construction company called Interval Construction. We're an award-winning indigenous construction company in Nigeria. Um, we focus on everything, construction roads, bridges, airports, are my parents. I am actually um, a lawyer by profession, trained and educated as a lawyer, and then later on joined the family business. Nice to meet everyone. Thank you. Well, thank you all. This is wonderful uh, to have you here. Thank you for taking uh, the time to be with us in this panel. Uh, I would like to kick start with, with the first, um, I, I wouldn't call it a question, it's, it's more would like to uh, to share your, your thoughts about this issue. Um, it's cliche to say that COVID-19, uh, and now we are in 2021, impacted most of the businesses, especially private. Uh, most of institutional investors and also private businesses uh, were impacted a lot. And it's not about uh, their revenues or their rate of returns. It's about how they are run the business, what is the uh, structure of decision-making, how, how they go about, uh, what, what their future plans. So it's, it's hard uh, nowadays to be uh, uh, an influential or a leader in your own family business. And being a female, it's an extra challenge. It's a classic challenge. And now it's, it's really, um, with the current circumstances, uh, COVID being one of them, it's, it's even uh, more difficult to be where you are. So uh, just uh, in reverse chronological order, uh, having COVID as the last challenge in your journey, um, can you tell us uh, what obstacles uh, did you face to get where you are right now in your family business as a female? Uh, and please jump into conversation uh, when, you, when you'd like to, uh, to contribute. And then I'll pick on the ones that didn't share their thoughts. Who would like to go first? Can I pick on Avi? I can go. Sorry, I got um, disconnected for a second. Um, so for any gender-based obstacle that I've faced, um, just in general, um, with just to clarify, do you, are you talking with this role or in my journey? Well, you can share both, uh, but, but where you are in, in the family business could be even more challenging, I think. Yeah. Um, okay. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, in my journey, I said, I, I can say that um, I always had to prove myself and to prove to people that I need to have a seat at the table as a woman, as a young woman. And now in this role, the African context is a bit different where people expect women to be in powerful positions, but still uh, 
I still have to prove that uh, I deserve to be in the room, even within a family system. So um, just to prove that, okay, I I have all these degrees, I know what I'm doing, and um, I'm just not making decisions out of emotions. Um, so that's one of the obstacles, like really explaining to people, really making sure people take you seriously. Um, that's one of the obstacle I face since I've been in this role. Then you, even in meetings with stakeholders, whether it's with lawyers or bankers, they always look at you as a younger woman and um, you almost have to assert yourself and be assertive and explain to people that you know what you're doing. Um, So, yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, This is very true. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to uh, share my, my own experience about that after uh, the rest of you. So who would like to go ne- next? Like, do you share similar challenges or do you have extra ones? Uh, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to, to share, uh, you know, uh, my journey. And um, even though mine was slightly a bit uh, more different uh, because... Um, I was raised by a father who did not believe in patriarchal uh, discourse. He was actually one of those men who raised me to be like, um, I was equal to my brothers, basically. So, you know, from a very young age, he actually used to get us involved in the family businesses. Um, he used to basically force us on weekends or, or school holidays to uh, go to the family businesses and get involved. Um, so in my case, I don't feel that I got left behind in terms of I didn't really experience patriarchy from a family business point of view. But in terms of dealing with clients and dealing with, uh, you know, um, uh, different stakeholders within our industry, you know, that's when I really um, experienced a lot of uh, patri- patriarchy and a lot of difficulties being a female, uh, you know, in the male dominated industry that I'm, uh, I'm in. Um, you know, uh, you, as a female, I feel that you have to sort of prove yourself you know, time and time again, that you are actually capable. And it's even worse in a family business uh, context uh, because people believe that you were handed over um, something and you it, it's sort of, um, you know, a hand a, a hand over and you didn't really, um, it's an inheritance and it's not something that you worked hard for. So you have to sort of um, prove yourself uh, 10 times uh, more um, and in my case, also the difficulty was that um, my father is, uh, my parents, both my parents are late now. And um, most people would actually expect me to uh, carry out business the way my late father did. And it caused a lot of issues because I was dealing with much older men um, that were reporting under my late uh, uh, father. And these are people that actually raised me, you know, as um, as uh, you know, as a youngster. And to come to these people now and ask them to report to me, that caused a lot of, you know, uh, friction at times. But I had to learn that I had to have a thick skin and um, and actually, you know, uh, make make them aware that we all there to achieve one goal, and we not we shouldn't be working against each other, and we must work as a unit. And me being a female does not mean that, um, you know, uh, my voice should not be heard and that, uh, you know, uh, I'm not worthy of being listened to uh, because of that fact. 
Um, so yeah, um, I've had to learn to sort of navigate around that. Well, thank you so much. These are, are talks from the heart, uh, real, real challenges, uh, and and actually yeah, some of them to do with, with human and, and organizational dynamics. How you would need someone that uh, perceived by the culture, perceived uh, in the business circle to be your mentor or someone who is more senior based on age, not based on merit. So uh, thank you and, and happy for sharing this. If, uh, if both Gita and Doris uh, uh, don't like to uh, comment on that or share a similar challenge, oh, yeah. yes, please go I, for it. <laughs> okay. So um, I think I have similar experiences with um, Tendeka, the previous speaker. Um, so I grew up in a house of uh, three boys. I'm the only girl. My father was very exposed, um, very enlightened. He probably thought I was, I don't think they actually saw the gender thing. So I was treated alike um, in most situations. So from my family per se, I wasn't sort of um, treated differently. I was given the same opportunities. I was educated the same way. Um, but I do know that, of course, in, in our continent, and being Nigerian and in certain tribes, um, men are treated differently um, than women and given you know, different opportunities. Um, but that wasn't the case for me. I felt um, some resistance, not with, um, with actual power, Hello, Doris. Have we lost Doris? Doris? Yes, I was about to say. And then it's only the workers. So, um, She's back on now. Felt, you know, Sorry, Doris. I mean, we lost you when you said... Doris, um, we lost you for a few seconds. So if you can eat just the last couple of seconds. Doris? Oh, the connection is uh, maybe so bad. Um, so whenever Doris Hello. is back... Yes, Doris? We lost you for a few Hello, seconds. Hello, can you hear me? Now we can hear you well. Yeah, so please go on. Hello? Now, now, now we yes, can we can hear you. Hear yes. you. Okay. Please go ahead. Yeah, so, yeah, so you know, we're, um, our company, we're mainly government contractors. So we, we hardly do private jobs. So you're dealing with government officials, civil servants, and you walk into a room and you're probably the only lady there, aside from the lady taking minutes. And when you start talking, it's like, you know, all, all eyes are on you, <laughs> especially when you start talking, you know, technicalities and, and all of that. But I noticed that men tend to listen. Of course, if you're the only woman in the room, they give you that sort of preference and, and all of that. Um, and they sort of try to be more accommodating um, from my experience. So, um, I, I, you know, in, um, in my journey, I haven't really faced that much um, resistance or, or obstacles um, in that sense. But, but then again, you know, I, I want to say that competence, it's, it's, it's actually very important that as a woman or, you know, you have to be competent in, in your work. You have to own your job, know your role, and then be result-orientated. So... If people see that, you know, that you're doing well, you're performing well, your suggestions and your input are effective and efficient and are producing good results, they tend to take you seriously. I think it sort of overrides the gender factor to a large extent if they feel that you're capable and competent. 
to be in that role. Absolutely. Very well said, Doris. Thank you for sharing that. I'm thinking uh, a few factors here in terms of obstacles, in terms of your journey. Uh, some of them related to having um, a male supporter, whether it's your father or members of the family or even someone at work, or um, it could be um, other mentors throughout your, your career. Uh, other other factors uh, for your where you are right now related to how you balance the, the dynamics in your own family and the society. Competence seems to be the, the, the common factors between all the, the lovely ladies in this panel. No doubts about that. But uh, also I'm, I'm picking uh, a global trend that women has to work at least three times if in not certain cultures. 10 times more than, men, than a man before they are taken seriously, which is tiring in the, in the beginning of the career of any young female uh, uh, starting her career in family business or otherwise. Uh, so that takes a lot of character. And, and let me uh, shift the, the question towards the younger generation represented by Giga, uh, is how, how, do you, how do you balance your identity as a young female among your siblings? how you draw this balance between your ambition, what you want to achieve in, in, in the family business in the future and where you are right now. Yes, uh, so to contextualize, uh, I definitely didn't join the family business yet. I mean, I've been active for internships. I plan to join uh, full-time in May. But I feel like, and it could probably be echoed by the rest of the panelists, coming from a family business, and for me at least being the eldest of the family, gives you a lot of responsibility in the sense where you're the next generation, you expect to be the successor, so you want to, to be as competent as possible. Again, for me, um, the gender component played an important role. Uh, since my youngest age, I constantly had a look at my competencies and the fact that I'm a woman and where I come from in the Arab world, um, we're not necessarily treated in the professional world the same way. So I, I knew that I had to go above and beyond. But thankfully, uh, speaking with um, about the, the male members of, of my family uh, business, they were very supportive, specifically my father. Um, for him, succession wasn't an event. Succession is a plan. So as I was growing um, we would constantly sit down and have these discussions. But the way he framed succession is very different. He said, you know, you want to join the family business, it is your choice. Initially, I wanted to pursue political science, I wanted to become a, a minister of finance in the country, create impact. But in reality, creating impact isn't necessarily just through government, it could be through the family business. Because I know that if I join with the dedication that I have, with the drive, with this vision of expansion throughout the African continent, I can drive that impact and change. And so for me, uh, being part of a family business allowed me to become mature at a young age, um, very young. I would go with my family and, and my father specifically to um, the work and try to see how I can help. Um, letting go of the nepotism aspect, I'm here because I want to learn and I'm not going to get this job because just because I want to get the job, but because I have those competencies. Um, the Arab world specifically views competencies um, or values external competencies in the sense where if you've studied abroad, if you've worked abroad, then probably you're good. And so I went on to, to that. I, I pursued my education in an American system in high school, and then I moved on to pursuing my education in the U.S. It was tough moving and letting go of my family at the age of 18, but I was confident that it will pay off. And it did. Um, I did 
I tried to seize as much opportunities. I was interested in the role of women in family businesses, delved into research, um, worked at multinationals, did consulting on the side. So anything possible, whether it's certifications or um, part-time jobs, anything that would allow me to go above and beyond to prove myself were quite crucial. Uh, but coming back to the male um, uh, of my family, I mean, my father and, and the way he went about it, he constantly spoke to me about the role that I potentially would have. And what I really appreciate is that since my youngest age, he would give me these success stories, success stories of not male or men, success stories of women. And I grew up looking up to a specific woman who is a renowned family business in Morocco and the African continent. Her name is Miriam Ben Shakrun. She uh, leads like the water company in Morocco. I would constantly watch her in the news and um, be very... Um, intrigued and you know one day I can achieve this constantly family members would compare me to her and so it gave me a drive that no matter what stereotypes are there that I can achieve those goals and I feel that it is really crucial for these uh, you know male members and, and fathers specifically to do their best to groom their daughters since their youngest age. Well, thank you, Geta. You, you reminded me of my my mini me, like the younger me, um, over twenty years ago, <laughs> when I when I when I worked for for the family business, uh, even before graduating, and I I in very young age, you don't know if you are appreciated for who you are or because of your merits, as you said. And uh, I I I would say that I thought. Well, my thinking was exactly like yours, uh, getting more qualification, traveling the world, and uh, just to prove myself. And then I find that my interest became more international, that I can no longer join the family again. Uh, so I joined the Sovereign Fund, and I see like the, the whole journey for, for the last, I would say, 17 years or 16 years. Then I, I started my, my own uh, firm, just to work with the family businesses and, and other institutional investors. And just the succession plan, the way it is called, and I have my reservation around the, what is called succession plan, is that it's, for me, it's what is called family constitution and legacy. It's, it's not about uh, someone, uh, no matter how respectful or old or, or first generation they are, that they have plans for everyone on the family, it's about really the legacy of the whole family, the passion, the interest, the values that unite the family. Everyone is different and everyone is, is also similar in a way. Uh, and it's very important to have this conversation early on in, in, uh, uh, in young ages uh, with, uh, uh, with different generations of the family. So it, it would be, uh, um, I would say, not only successful, but enjoyable throughout the, your journey and, and other generations. And speaking of that, um, in some family businesses, uh, uh, having a female as a successor is quite unusual. So you get a, is like an exception of, of the norm in different cultures. Like if there are different siblings, uh, male and female, usually uh, the, the male's uh, successor is the norm. He will be the one um, uh, unconsciously looked at as a successor if he's the second or third generation. So in, in, you are very established and, and uh, being part of your family business. Uh, what can be done to, to really break this glass ceiling in, 
in not looking into just female successors um, as, as something weird. Yeah. How we can just break it to be based on merits as opposed to gender? And please jump in if uh, that's yes. Yeah, uh, Rain, Dr. Rainia, thank you. I wanted to pinpoint on that um, because I'm actually the only girl uh, out of my siblings. So I'm the only girl and I have like two brothers. And it was interesting to hear Gita talking about succession planning because that was not the experience in my family. Um, I think, well, my mom founded the family business. So at a young age, she exposed us to the family business, but more in an informal way. And only later on, after we left and uh, traveled to the U.S. and on in summer breaks, that she will intentionally involve us in day-to-day -day, um, activities of the business. And I think at that time, she was gauging our interest to see which one, uh, who of her children would be interested. But it was never, we never had a formal a conversation about succession planning. Um, and she was super supportive to allow us to have our career choices. But I have to say that, I don't know if it was because my older brother was more interested um, or if it's because he was a firstborn and he is male. I believe he's both. Um, so he was looked at as the successor of the business. And it just happened that after I left, I went to the U.S., um, spent almost 10 years of my career there and um, doing things that actually that I'm doing right now. Like at least my career prepared me for what I'm doing right now, working in um, an organization that was focusing on uh, business linkages between the U.S. and Africa, then moving to consulting and then moving to private sector development working with entrepreneurs. And then I started having these conversations with my mom and she realized that I was interested. But even then, I think she always talked about the succession of family as like a long-term thing. Um, her vision was for us to take the company and make it more global. So it was never who was going to come back to take over. Uh, even for my brother, it was never that. And it's just a series of events that led me back home because I felt the urge to return back to Togo. And I, even when I got here, uh, initially, I wanted to find another job. And I saw that there was a gap into, there was a gap that needed to be filled um, in the family business. And she was super happy that I was interested in jumping in. So it, it didn't start formally, but I think behind her, mind she always had that that thought like okay I would love for one of my children to take over but she also didn't want us to necessarily keep it to Togo but make it more global so there was no succession plan only now we're having that those conversations with my siblings with my my parents um and I also wanted to touch on roles of male as allies um and I I want, I like, I thank my brothers for being so great at um, encouraging me and making me feel seen, heard, uh, vouching for me, um, for my uncle to be like just an ear in my, in just like, just be able to have that conversation with my mom because I feel like I'm new to all this thing. 
and uh, just dealing with the family family dynamic as a mother and daughter and um, different generation and different. I, I grew up in the U.S. and my mom grew up here, culture and all of this, and it's a lot. And uh, my uncle has been great, has been a great ally for me um, regarding communication with my mom. And then my father, my father has been super great at uh, giving me the context in which I'm working. Although female, we see a lot of female CEOs and founders and um, all these great women doing great things on the continent, especially in Togo, uh, in the sector uh, in which I am. But um, being single also is funny. Marital status plays being firm so my dad is really great at like help helping me navigating all that but with that being said they still have blind spot like even having conversation with my brothers about salary telling my brother like if you were in my position I think the firm would pay you more and them being really surprised by that so it's not really the reality it's also like male privilege and so they're great allies but they have also great blind spots so yeah, I just wanted to add that to the conversation. Well, thank you. I would say I would say yes. I totally agree. There, uh, the gloss ceiling is, is real in the corporate world, um, and it's it's not uh, it's not as everyone thinks in family business it would be easier because it's family dynamics. It's even more because you cannot afford to fail, and the the stigma is that male can be more successful, and that's why they are looked at as a successor which is not necessarily the case, with all due respect to men. Um, before I move to the next question or the conversation with the lovely ladies, uh, I, I noticed that when the audience started already to send questions, I'm going to uh, uh, pay attention to each and every question coming from the audience just uh, in, in five or ten minutes from now, uh, because we need to make uh, enough time for a wonderful discussion. And I would advise, if you are not shy, uh, to turn on your camera and just uh, just ask if it's uh, if it's possible and allowed by the organizers. I know it's we are online, but let's make it as as personal as possible in a in a professional way. So um, with that, I it's, thank you for sharing all of that. And just before moving to the next question, also is Akandika, you have. Uh, anything you would like to comment at the, at this point before uh, moving on, uh, like uh, uh, men or male as allies, or uh, how females that are not necessarily looked at as a successor, how you, uh, you break the glass ceiling? Yes, uh, with regards to um, my family dynamics, uh, in terms of succession planning, that was not done in in the correct manner. Um, I think all of us as siblings, we've always known uh, that you know um, that my my uh, second born brother was gonna be the one you know to be my father's successor because um, he was more operational in terms of you know uh, the business um, and he was the one who who was actually more keen um, on participating in the family business. Um, but then things uh, turned around when he actually passed away. Um, my late brother, you know, passed away, you know, earlier than what we all thought. Um, you know, it was a tragic uh, situation. And that was when, you know, my dad actually realized that um, 
he shouldn't um, focus on one, you know, sibling being his successor and that he should actually try and equally involve us in different aspects of the business, uh, but not only involve us in the different aspects, but also teach us the different uh, um, uh, uh, fields within the business. Uh, because what I found that is that I spent too much time in a particular sector, you know, within the business that I didn't really understand the full uh, 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 um, chain of how the the whole uh, business worked, you know. And um, I was always, you know, that one child who was very ambitious, and I felt that. You know, I, I I didn't want to sort of uh, reduce myself to just being, you know, um, uh, someone who inherits a family business. But I felt that I needed to go out there and find um, work for myself and gain my own independence um, away from my father's legacy, uh, because I feel that is very important. I felt that um, is something that really helped me uh, to broaden my mind. Uh, to actually um, uh, um, uh, also gain experience as to how other, you know, uh, um, industries and corporations work out there. And I feel that, you know, me going to work, um, you know, independently away from the family business did actually help me a lot as an individual uh, because it helped me grow um, and it actually uh, brought a different, you know, aspect to things. And, you know, I was able to also introduce certain um, you know, processes into the family business because of what I've learned outside of it. Um, so, you know, succession planning is quite imperative, but one thing we need to be cognizant of is that we shouldn't leave others behind while we're doing that uh, because, you know, life happens and life does not always work out the way we want it to. So it's actually important to make sure that each child within the family um, has their role and they understand, you know, um, how they could contribute uh, towards the business. Because not only does that make them stronger once you as the parents are no longer there, um, but it gets them used to working as a unit, you know, because, you know, once the parents are no longer there, you actually don't even know where to start because, you know, you're going back and forth and everyone wants, they, everyone feels that they entitled to certain roles. So I feel that it, it is important that um, with regards to succession planning, that we sort of make it, you know, uh, something that is going to be, you know, um, inclusive um, of everyone, of all the, 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 the successes of that business. Well, that, thank you so much. This is, this is great. Uh, and I cannot emphasize more uh, the importance of succession plan. I just have a reservation over succession plan because it has been abused, in, in my humble opinion, in the last two decades, uh, overused by a consultant, a consultant and uh, even by some family businesses uh, and offices. They think that uh, uh, a succession plan is a wonderful blueprint that uh, separates management from ownership and every, everyone's role and financial inheritance is there and it's defined, which is which is not necessarily the case. It's as you nicely said, it's it has to be more than that. It has to be extracting the values, extracting the passion, what every family member is uh, interested to do, what their vision and plans for the next five and ten years, and how this is aligned with the family itself. 
and then have this uh, civilized early conversation between the first generation, second and third about where they would like to go about not, not only in the financial um, because it's it's always we, we uh, uh, over talk about succession plan as how you navigate the financial wealth. Uh, but for, for me, family is more than wealth. It's uh, the social wealth, it's the social capital. And it's uh, by far all the values involved in, in, this, uh, in this journey, your legacy in, in, in short terms. Um, so uh, this, is, this is a great, um, uh, I would say, you paved the way for, for the next uh, uh, idea I needed to discuss here. And I will start with Doris because uh, she was the last, last time. And I, I'll go uh, one by one in this question because I think it's relevant to everyone. Now, in your current position in your family business, uh, whether it's current or future, as a successor or not, you surely human, you are female, so you have more challenges in your personal life. Let's say how how you navigate your your personal uh, or what is called work life balance. Uh, if you're married or God forbids divorce or not even not uh, not married yet, how you navigate your personal life and how that impacts the way you are uh, currently positioned in your family business. Are you looked at in certain stereotype? Does it facilitate or help you in your business life or it provides extra challenge? I'll go, I'll start with Doris and then whoever would like to jump, but all of you will answer that with your blessings. Doris, unmute okay. yourself. <laughs> okay, can you hear me now? now? Okay, yes. Yes. sorry, I'm in the car. <laughs> so, yes, um, work-life balance. For me, it's it's a daily um, task, you know. It's never the same. Um, it's always different every day because things are constantly changing. The responsibilities, the demands um, are constantly changing. So for me, it's just, you know, a daily tax just to know, just to prioritize um, what is most important. I have um, four children um, from 18 to 10. So it's, it has been tough, but I can tell you that it's, it's getting easier as they, as they get older. Now, I never sort of planned to be in the family business. I think when um, it all changed, when I did get married and then I started to have children and I had difficult pregnancies and then my mother sort of played a very um, important role. She, she sort of sat me down and said, look, you know, you're in your childbearing years, you're having children. I had twins. So I was pregnant for twins and it was just difficult working in a law firm and going to court and it was taking a toll. So my mom, you know, sort of stepped in and said, you know, these are my grandchildren. I don't want you to risk their lives. I think you should suspend your independence, your independence and come and work for the family business until you're done having children and just to give yourself some rooms. So Hello, Doris. Doris, we're losing you. Hmm. Second. And then, of course, you can go to a last, you know, priority. Um, for okay, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Now, now we hear you. Yes. Hello. Can That's you hear me? Yes. Okay. Can. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so yes. Yeah, so I did leave um, the law firm I was working at, um, and then joined the family business. And then, of course, after the first pregnancy, I had the second and the third. And then, of course, um, I had to spend. Um, I had to try and balance the two. 
so I was lucky in the sense that I could bring my children into work, um, bring the nanny into work, and then leave early. Um, there was that flexibility um, in my home life and my work life and my personal life better. Um, so I saw I saw the benefits of that. So I did change the policies in the office for married women um, that were like me. So I made hours flexible. Um, I would give longer leave periods. There were paid leaves. There were, you know, I even sort of changed the policies for family leave. Um, so I sort of wanted the, you know, the privileges I, I was afforded to be shared with other women. So I did make those changes. But I can tell you that it's a daily sort of task and decision to sort of balance things out. Because sometimes it's, it is not the same. Sometimes the work is so demanding and needs your full attention. And then the family life is compromised. Um, but for me, the, the advice is not to, not to um, strain the family um, aspect of that um, for too long, you know. But then, of course, um, it's it's a balancing act, it's a daily thing. So yes, so that's just and of course, I mean, if you have the support, I did have the support of um, my brothers because they would fill in for me, and then of course I had um, I made sure that I had competent assistance, um, assistance, you know, um, in the company that could you know, feeling when I did have to be absent from work. So it's, it's you know, it's something that requires a lot of planning um, and decision-making, the right decision-making. Wonderful. Thank you, Doris. This is very um, inspiring, like how, how you manage the, the, the family not blessings while you work. So who would like to go next? Okay, get them. Um, so I wanted to rebound on on the point that you made in terms of succession and succession planning in general, and some advice that was given to me by past people that I spoke to, because succession isn't very near, at least in my end, is to one, never let a crisis go to waste. And it's really important because like when you think about it, if like, God forbid, someone, a board member's friend uh, passes away and, and they have a family business and you see the negative impacts that they went through, the fact that succession was never present and that the business was lost or in most cases, you know, it went bankrupt. Using that as examples to not necessarily freak the, the board members, but just to have those discussions. That's one of the main advices that I was given. And two, um, you've mentioned something about nepotism and, you know, most people or or in our cases as well, we have certain guys or, or girls in certain uh, ways that are Freddos. You know, I don't know if you guys watched the God, God, uh, the Godfather. But they're the ones that, you know, take all the money from the family business and they don't really contribute to it. They're there because of nepotism. Uh, for that specifically, the advice that I was given is to have those discussions to set in place HR policies. Um, as family members or future generations, you shouldn't work in the family business just because, you know, you're the daughter, but rather because there is a need. And that's quite important because a lot of uh, cultures, whether it is the Arab world and to a certain extent, even the African continent, um, you get that job because your father has those expectations of 
potentially what you're going to achieve. Um, so those are the two main advices that I was given um, on terms of on tops of like getting more competencies and whatnot. Uh, but in terms of um, the work life balance that you uh, asked right now, I personally feel like I definitely have to work on work life balance as someone who has went abroad, has gone abroad to um, to study. And with the idea that there's a family business waiting for me, I constantly tried to seize every certain um, uh, opportunity that I had with with my in, in mind. Because one, I was a woman, I needed to be more competent. But most importantly, because I wanted to not waste these years of being abroad. For me, I let go of the family business. You know, many people in the Arab world would not even go pursue uh, their higher education and join the family business right after high school. But for me, I was saying, you know, this is an opportunity cost, but it is a good one in the sense where I'm not joining the family business right now. I have five years, six years abroad. I have to seize every single opportunity I have uh, to challenge myself, to meet people, to network with people. So that has resulted in long, uh, long hours of work, um, working on weekends, going above and beyond, not because someone told me to, but because I want. So definitely I, I will take the advice that you guys said about work-life balance and try to apply it to myself. It's, as I'm moving forward to a different journey. Thank you. Well, thank you, Geta. That's, this, is, this is fascinating also. So between Abdi and Tandika, who would like to go first? Abdi, to Yeah, I can go. Uh, I echo both um, Doris and Gita point. Um, to Doris, I mean, it was great to hear her talk about that um, because I'm not married yet. so. Um, I don't know how that would look like, but as a single woman right now, and because the role is so demanding, you want to make sure you prove yourself. And also because it's family. It be uh, are you still there? Uh, I don't know where I was. Okay. So the default position for me is always to go beyond and above because family business gets personal. Um, and you want to prove that this business has can go can go to places that we never imagined, especially when you guys have vision meet, meeting and stuff. So you have to put in the work. So finding the balance is tough. Um, and yeah, finding the balance is tough. But I would say in my experience, because I work in consulting and it was so like, at 9 p. everything shut down. I need to be helpful, also be flexible. I And also having a woman as a founder helps a lot. Um, but I'm curious to see how my mom may act, the founder, may act differently when I get married. Because right now is, um, yeah, you can just, I can go on with and she's fine she's just like go on and go on but I know that we have discussion and I know that like Doris is saying that they are they fall into like mother's role more than founder role when you have a family so as a single woman now I feel like she's like the sky is, is not even the limit basically just go hard and I have to remind myself that I have to take care of myself that um, I cannot put the family business needs above my health or my personal growth. So that helps me a lot balance things out. 
Well, uh, thank you, Api. And before moving to Tandekam, I, I wanted to say, uh, not because you're saying that you don't have social life or, or work life. Right. <laughs> we, I would say, uh, I usually like... Let them with, know. <laughs> with my female friends, like if you're single, I'm saying high five. <laughs> like, wait, I'm, I'm also single, but it's... Um, the way we see it, and I don't like to get more of, a, of a, like a, in a lecture uh, format uh, because this is a nice conversation. But seriously, I, I give a, I give a, a, a seminar for master's students in, in a French university about resilience management, and one of the main five modules were about work-life balance and and how you take care of yourself uh, to be able to take care of others. As, as someone who's single or married, uh, the most important thing is you surround yourself with positive people. Uh, some of the, of, of the un, unspoken uh, depreciators of success, your life, even as, as a successor in your family, is when you are facing someone negative. Uh, one of the main chronic, uh, chronic stresses uh, was identified as uh, driving to work. And in the same level is to be with a negative spouse. So <laughs> being single, I don't say for the married ones that you're, you're, that's your case. But what I'm trying to say that um, the dynamics of navigating your work-life balance is still the same. But the stigma also in some cultures, I'm, I'm, I'm like uh, interested and was surprised that you say that because in our culture is just automatically uh, the thinking you're single, okay, you don't have a life and, and you're more free to do your work or you're workaholic, all these stereotypes, which is not the case. It's just, uh, it just that you're most probably because you are the responsible person in your family and became the successor in the business, that you have more thoughts between the brain and heart. That's why it's uh, you are not settled yet. So anyway, I'm just like to comment on that very quickly and, and, and back to Tandika. Um, well, with me, um, uh, I'm, I'm uh, a married uh, mother um, and, you know, I, I feel that, you know, I've been blessed uh, to be married to a husband who actually understands my chaos. Uh, because he also has his own <laughs> and we sort of find a way to make it work, you know, amongst the both of us. And I've always felt that, you know, I could never uh, be with someone who's actually not self-employed because they wouldn't understand that, you know, with us, it never stops. You know, there's no nine to five, you know. It's uh, from when you open your eyes to when you close your eyes. Um, but, you know, as time went on, I've actually had to learn that um, it's okay to be tired. It's okay to take a break. Um, it's okay to set boundaries and say, no, I'm tired. I need to take a break, you know. Um, you know, and you have to sort of learn to uh, create time for the most important things in your life. Um, you know, I make sure that I create time, you know, uh, to be with family I make sure that I create time to be by myself and also, you know, uh, exercise self-care, you know, for myself and ensure that I'm mentally, you know, um, sound and, you know, uh, physically okay. And, um, you know, I'm, I, I've learned that, you know, I, I have to delegate at times as, as much as it's been a difficult thing for me. Uh, but delegating helps a lot because you ease off the load uh, from yourself. 
And I mean, these days, um, you know, we're blessed that we're able to work remotely. We don't always have to be at the office, you know, to be able to uh, to work. So, you know, I think each individual, it's all about finding something that works for you and setting those boundaries and not being afraid to, you know, to 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 stop when you need to. Uh, because you know, at the at the at the end of the day, we're not robots. Uh, we need to, you know to take some time off, and you shouldn't feel guilty about doing that because you only have one life, and you're not going to get it back. Um, as much as we all in, uh, ambitious individuals, we want to see you know our companies you know uh, go to uh, uh, great leaps and bounds. Uh, but you know, at some point, we need to balance it out. And uh, I feel that um, there's no specific formula. Uh, but it's every it's based on per individual and what works for you, you know. So um, that's how I've been tackling it, um, you know, tackling it daily and doing what works for me. Absolutely. Uh, this is a nice uh, a closing remark. That I would like to add something. Um, yes, of yes. course. Uh, I'm just, just closing for, for this particular idea that no no one... Uh, size fits all uh, for any solution. It, it has to be personalized. Like you would be the, the most important and knowledgeable person of your situation to figure it out. And please go for it. So um, I just wanted to add, um, especially yeah. in. Can you hear me now? Yes, yes, go for it. Please. Hello? Okay. I just wanted to add something that is, you know, really worrisome. You know, in, in Nigeria particularly, not that many family businesses survive the first generation. So a lot of businesses, um, you know, when the founders or the parents, you know, sort of, um, you know, um, stop the business or leave the business or retire, um, the second generation, either you know, for for certain reasons, maybe because they're not interested, or maybe because they were not, you know, um, trained and all of that. But I don't know what happens. But then they don't survive. A lot of them, um, less than ten percent of family businesses, you know, um, move on to the second generation. And I think with that consciousness, there's a lot of pressure it puts on the, you know, on the families that don't want to be statistics, you know, that, you know, really want to see that what their parents started continues. Um, that pressure also can affect, you know, in terms of family work, family work balance and just wanting to put in everything and, you know, um, so there's that pressure also um, on that because people tell you, oh, you're second generation. Wow. How did you do that? You know, and, oh, you really have to, you know, um, continue the good work. You really have to put in the extra time, I mean, you sort of get that a lot. Um, and that sort of adds a, a bit more pressure. But saying, you know, having said that, you know, as as everyone has rightly said, there has to be sort of um, a priority in terms of if you're single, what is a priority for you? If you're married, you know, your children, your family welfare should come first above all else. So that's just what I needed Thank to you. add there. Thank you, Doris. Thank you, Afi. Thank you, Tandika. And GitHub, really, for a very engaging conversation, it's, uh, it seems the, the hour is, uh, is coming to end. But there is one question, and please, like, we can, we can afford to have a, a couple of minutes more if the audience have other questions. But I'm going to read this question from Tiffany. 
she said, especially since women are more social wellness minded, uh, she's interested to hear your input on the bridging of generation on the topic of vision and planetary social values or impact. And she's thanking everyone as well. Tiffany, you're here on the video, so you can thank you for joining us. <laughs> um, so who would like to address Stephanie's question? It's, it's a very relevant one, and we might have addressed it um, behind the words. <laughs> Sorry, could you ask the question again? I didn't quite hear you. So the question was on the chat box, and uh, Tiffany said, thank you for the, for the shares, ladies, for sharing this. And I am interested to hear your input on the bridging of generation on the topic of vision and uh, planetary social values or impact, since women are more social well-minded. Uh, that's the way, Tiffany. I think if, if I understood Tiffany correctly, uh, how, how are you bridging the gap between generations, especially when it comes to social impact? Or, uh, and the way I see it also, social capital, like uh, how, how uh, there, there, there is certainly, at least from my work with the family constitution projects, there's certainly different language spoken between first generation, which is completely different than second and third. Uh, sometimes you don't speak the same language, so bridging the gap between them and communication is very important. And it, it has much to do with uh, with social impact. I, I remember before COVID was the last year I traveled to Macau um, for family uh, for family office uh, conference uh, in Asia, and there was a huge gap between how younger generation perceived social uh, impact investing and the old generation. The old generation think about it as uh, uncharted water. Like that's not going to, we don't know it. So we don't know it's going to have the same rate on, on return. What the benefit of going there? They don't see the social or the financial um, uh, influence or impact of such investments. And, and that has to do with their generation back then. And the, the younger generations are struggling to get into this uh, lead. So this is just one of, one of the ideas at the top of my head, definitely. If someone else would like to comment, and if they are not addressing exactly what you meant, please step in and ask it. I can so, jump in. Please. Um, so in terms of um, what Tiffany asked, it is really important, the fact that these different generations goes, have those discussions. In the past, uh, research that I conducted with... Uh, numerous professors based in Boston, uh, most of the successes um, of these families come into play when these families have some sort of office or at least someone in place that does events. So external events out of the family business where on a monthly basis or something of that sort, all these generations come together, they play together, and they have these discussions in a different way that is not necessarily the office. And it has had a lot of impacts um, in terms of very renowned uh, family businesses, whether it is Mars or, or Best Buy, for instance, both, both American multinationals with which these professors work. So we were able to see um, the impacts of having such events. So um, to bridge that gap, Gap, I would say these events are, are pretty crucial um, to, to create some sort of trust and also to show your competencies, but in a different way. But most importantly, communications and, and specifically um, facilitating what you want to say or bring across using uh, words that are going to be understood in the sense where our generation uses different dialects or different words, expressions, but uh, trying to 
speak to this future generation as if you're speaking to a baby. Because for many of them, whether it is first generations or the second or third generation, and it gets even more complicated, uh, the, the founders of these family businesses, they don't want to let go of their business. They see it as their, as their baby, basically, as something that they have worked so hard to, to put together. So trying to keep that in perspective on top of the different uh, types of upbringings, the cultural values that are very important from country to country, um, and, and leveraging that type of information for your benefit to, to project what you want to say and communicate effectively. So, okay, ladies, I think that's all what we have for the time. Unfortunately, I would have loved to continue our lovely conversation and look into the chat box. Like there are some comments in your question, extra ones for you, Tiffany. I really thank everyone present today and and, and, uh, um, a big thank you for the organizers and for uh, the fellow panelists. I really enjoyed sharing this panel with you and all the best in in your current and future activities and efforts. Women rule. Thank, thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Stay safe. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.